Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Cumming, Georgia, it's time for FOCO Talks. Brought to you by the Forsyth County Chamber of Commerce. Hello and welcome to episode three of FOCO Talks, the official podcast for the, for the Forsyth County Chamber of Commerce. And we are broadcasting live from the Forsyth Business Radio X studio located in beautiful Cumming, Georgia. I am your host, Michelle Daniels, and I serve as the Vice President of Business Development for the Chamber. And today I am joined by two amazing local leaders for an exclusive interview discussing Forsyth County Schools. As the fifth largest district in Georgia, Forsyth County Schools serves over 53,500 students, representing 129 countries and 69 languages. Forsyth County Schools also has the highest state assessment, CCRPI score, the highest uh, county graduation rate, highest SAT scores, highest ACT score, and highest financial efficiency rating, which is a five out of five stars in Metro Atlanta and among local um, large districts. Earlier this week, the Forsyth County Chamber, in partnership with Forsyth County Schools, hosted the annual State of the Schools. This event offers guests an inside glimpse into current initiatives, a look back on a year of accomplishments, and to share future plans for the community's award-winning school system. Today's show is a companion episode to that event, so if you weren't able to experience it live um, of the 2022 State of the Schools, I encourage you to head over to the Forsyth County Chamber's YouTube channel to tune into the event, as it was a fantastic program and provide a great detail on the incredible things to come for Forsyth County Schools. So as I mentioned, today is a special episode and I am honored to be joined by Chamber President and CEO James McCoy, who will be conducting an interview with Dr. Jeff Bearden, Superintendent for, for the Forsyth County Schools. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Michelle. Dr. Bearden, thank you. Hey, my Join pleasure. Us. Thanks for having me. So, James, during your ten tenure as chamber president, I am sure you have seen a huge change in the school system. Can you share a little bit about that experience and some of the progress that you've seen? Well, when when I arrived now seventeen years ago, um, the the literally the first thing I did on my first day uh, was uh, the then superintendent Paula Galt uh, took uh, picked me up at the office at about eight o'clock. And she dropped me back off at 6 p.m. because we were out visiting uh, schools. And then um, I think there there were, uh, I think, seven schools that we visited that day. So it was a, uh, a, a marathon, but it was a lot of fun. And, and But I, I learned from that day um, that the entire – the, the Forsyth County Schools is, is more than just a school system. It's a culture. It's a way of life. Um, and, uh, I was, was blown away by that. And, and, you know, sometimes you get to know, uh, people or organizations and you start to learn they're human and, and that they've got all the, you know, we all have the chinks in the armor. And I found just the opposite to be true with Forsyth County schools. The more that I get to know, and over the 17 years Forsyth County schools, the more I am continually impressed at the depth uh, that, that, that they have existed uh, and, and exist. And, uh, you know, they're certainly, you know, they're about accountability and numbers, but they're also about the reality that kids are humans and need to be great adults. And it's been fantastic to watch that. And, and um, you know, uh, Dr. Bearden has, has certainly uh, embodies all of that. And Dr. Bearden, we are honored to have you with us today. And thank you for the partnership and the incredible work that you do uh, for, for our community. We're glad to have you. It's an honor to be here, James. And, you know, this will be uh, the start of my ninth year serving as superintendent for Scythe County Schools, and the time goes by quickly. And I really appreciate it, what you said about our school system, because what I say to our community all the time, and we ha actually had the opportunity to have our new educator orientation recently, and what I said to our 500-plus new educators in our school system, we are a people business. We are a relationship business. Our job, first and foremost, is to establish what I call the conditions for success. I'm a culture and climate leader, always have been, always will be. You know, Michelle... Um, talked about some of our data in the opening, which I really appreciate and I'm proud of. But honestly, we don't talk a lot about assessments as a leadership team in our school system, because we realize if you establish those conditions for success, kids will achieve and they'll achieve at a high level. So we are always focused on relationships, 
relationships, relationships. Well, and, and so where I'd, I'd like to kind of start, if you're okay, is uh, to, to how you got here, like, and, and, and more than just the job of superintendent, but how you became an educator, um, where, where that came from in your life, um, why leadership and education, um, you know, is, is important to you and how that happened. So, uh, Take us back to a, a different time, Dr. Bearden. <laughs> okay, I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version because this could take a while. I was one of those kids when I went to college. I graduated from Bremen High School in West Georgia. Went to West Georgia College. It's now a university, but at the time it was West Georgia College. But I was one of those kids that really didn't have a, a plan for my life. I was taking courses at West Georgia without any rhyme or reason. I didn't even have a declared major and at, at, when I turned 21, I just felt like I needed to do something else. Grew up in a military family. My dad was 20 years in the Air Force, grandfather 20 years in the Air Force. I have three brothers, all served in the Air Force. So guess what I did? I joined the Air Force. And I was so blessed because when I first got my first assignment, which was Loring Air Force Base, Limestone, Maine, right on the Canadian border, not where I wanted to go, to be perfectly transparent about that. But wow, what a blessing because... My first year there, a local high school needed a varsity girls basketball coach. And I had played a little bit in high school, coached at the recreation level. They could not find a coach, and they were like two or three weeks before the season started. The athletic director at that high school was good friends with my boss in the Air Force. So he called my boss and said, I'm desperate. I need somebody. And my boss asked me if I'd be interested. And I said, I'm 22 years old. I have no experience. There is no way they're going to hire me. He said, Jeff, I don't think they have a choice. It's either you or they'll have to cancel the season. So they hired me to coach that little basketball team, changed my life forever. I had never considered education, never on my radar. Within two or three weeks of coaching that basketball team, I said, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to finish my tour of duty in the Air Force. I served four years. Very proud of that. And I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to be a teacher. And that's exactly what I did. And when I was hired to teach, now 33 years ago, I thought I'd be doing that the rest of my life. I'll teach and I'll coach. But at some point, and, and I love this because I believe one of the responsibilities of a leader is growing leadership. And so I had a superintendent. I was a couple years into teaching, took me aside. He said, you're going to go back to school. You're going to get your master's degree, and you're, I'm going to put you on the path of administration. I said, I was in the Air Force at one point. So I said, yes, sir, that's what I'll do. But it wasn't on my plan. I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't on my radar at all. But he believed in me. He invested in me. And to this day, today, I, I still consider him to be a great friend and mentor. And so that started my trajectory into education. I spent the first 20 years in Maine, and I've been back in Georgia now for about 13 years. Wow. Very good. Well, that's, uh, uh, that is quite a journey. I don't know uh, a, a lot of folks who, who have made the, ju the jump anyway like that. That's incredible. And um, so t what, was your first, um, what was your first role as principal? And, and what was that like, taking on a, a principal? It, now, this is interesting, too. I was a high school assistant principal for three years. And my third year as a high school assistant principal a school system, a tiny school system, 330 kids, that's how small the school system was, needed a superintendent. And my boss, the same guy who encouraged me to move into administration, he said, I think you should apply for that job. And I said, I've not even been a principal. He said, this will be a similar experience. He said, in fact, I think it'd be a better experience because it's such a tiny system, you'll have to do everything. And so my first superintendency in 1999, 330 kids, one building, the central office, was, central office was myself, a secretary, and a bookkeeper. I was the special ed director, responsible for all title funds, facilities, you name it, I had to do it. And what a great indoctrination into the superintendency. Yeah. I yeah. learned so much from that experience. And so I think back today, you know, back in 1999, northern Maine, very small rural community, serving 330 kids. And today I have the privilege to serve 53,000 children in one of the nation's top school systems. Yeah. I'm just, I look at that and I'm just so proud of having had that experience. Wow. Very good. Well, I, I, I did not 
realize that. That's an, that's incredible. That's an uh, uh, yes. What an incredible experience. What a great opportunity. So um, and 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 we get to enjoy the benefits of all that. So I'm I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, so is is you think you know back both about your career, you know on your career and in your time in in Forsyth County, you know. Um, Tell me about how you have, what is the, the basic leadership philosophy that you have developed? I mean, you mentioned a minute ago culture um, and, and, um, and, and climate, um, but what is that, what for you, what, what does that mean to you? And, and from a practical standpoint, what does that look like in, in a system that is, you know, in an organization that is so massive, what does that look like to you? Yeah, you know, I mentioned the new educator orientation, and, and I use this quote every single year at that um, new educator orientation, and it's, kids will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I want teachers, especially new teachers, to really think about that for a second. And, and I remind them, you're going to leave a legacy. People look back on their lives, and they can remember their teachers. And they're going to remem- remember them in a positive way or a negative way or maybe even in an indifferent way. So I challenge a new teacher, what's going to be your legacy? Because the choice is yours. And so when we think about, back about the best teachers we ever had, you know, just think for yourself. What are some one or two word descriptors that come to mind? And typically it is they were kind, they were invested, they were interested, had a sense of humor. Um, they made me feel important. They knew me. They knew my family. And those are all critically important to establishing rapport with kids. And I go back to that quote, kids will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. So as a beginning teacher, and at the beginning of every school year, I want our teachers to invest in getting to know their kids. Because the way I look at it, when I visit any school or any classroom, I'm always looking at it through the lens of a parent. I have three adult children now, but the question for me is always the same. Would I want my child in this school? Would I want my child in this classroom? If the answer is yes, that's great. If the answer is no or I'm not sure, my next question to the building principal is, what are we doing about it? Because if it's not good enough for my child, it's not good enough for any child. And I think we always need to look through the lens of a parent. What I want is I want parents to want to send their children to school. I want kids to get up in the morning and want to come to school. I want our staff to get up and be excited about going to work. And when you put those things in place and you make school a joyful experience, and it should be and can be a joyful experience, guess what? Kids will be engaged. They'll be excited. And they will thrive. They will learn. Again, I always focus on the conditions for success. Very good. Well, and, and speaking of, I, you know, my I've, I've been involved in um, through the chamber two strategic plans, maybe maybe three, but at least two. Um, and and my understanding is that um, there's a, a new one uh, that will be coming up that y'all are in, in the process of, of developing. And um, you know. For, for those who are, are new in the community, um, you know, it, it was a strategic planning process that really transformed our school system uh, many, many years ago, well before I think any of us uh, in the room were, were, were here. But the, the idea of, you know, planning your work, working your plan has, has really paid off and the school systems had, had many great uh, uh, plans that um, have, have brought us a long, long way. So what does that look like now that, you know, we're, we are you know, performing at a national level at the very, very top uh, tier. What is, what does a strategic plan look like now? I mean, we, we, we knew in the past there were these gaps that we needed to be closing and, and I think that's largely been done. So what does that look like now and what does the process look like? Well, first of all, thank you for asking that question. Uh, Our strategic plan, our latest one expired in June of 2022. So last year we spent the entire school year engaging our community and what would be the new strategic plan from 2022 through 2027, the next five years. And we were very intentional about who we invited to the table. We invited folks from all walks of life. We invited invited folks from the table from the left side of the political uh, spectrum to the right side of the political spectrum. And we put them all at the tables together and had conversation 
Uh, and it's so interesting because there are a lot of opinions about public education, right? I mean, that's just the reality of our yeah. business. A lot of people, you know, feel strongly yeah. about what we're doing, what we're teaching, and we have to respect that. And so what we ask folks to do is to come to the table and say, let's not talk about where we might disagree. Can we focus on what we can all agree upon? And it was so interesting because we had several, I mean, many community meetings over the last year. And so I could sum up our strategic plan in one word, and that word would be connection. That surfaced time and time again. So what do I mean by that? It doesn't matter if you're far left or far right. Here's what people agreed upon during the strategic planning process. Kids need to be safe. Kids need to have a sense of purpose. Kids need to have a sense of belonging. Kids need to have the resources and support they need to be successful. We need to make sure that all kids are able to reach their own individual potential. So those things came up time and time again. And what we realized is we absolutely could build an entire strategic plan around that word connection. And we did just that. And in the spring, our school board unanimously adopted that plan. And I have received basically zero pushback from our community about that plan. And I am so excited because now that will be the plan we will be working over the next five years. Again, it's all around connection, connection for, for families, connections for staff, connections for student, you know, students. As you guys know, we're, we're a growing community, but not only are we growing in population, we're growing in diversity as well. We are now a minority-majority school system. About 20 years ago, our student population was about 80% white. Now it's about 49% white. And so with that growing diversity, I go back to that word connection. We want all families, no matter where they come from, no matter their race or ethnicity, we want them all to have that sense of purpose, sense of belonging. We always talk about the Forsyth family, and we mean that. It's a real challenge as the school system is growing to keep that small town feel, but we're very intentional about making that happen. In fact, one of our board goals uh, for each building principal is to make your large schools feel small. And, and how do you do that? You do that around relationship building and making sure everyone feels that sense of connection. Very good. Very good. So w when you look at that strategic plan, um, you know, and in, in, in where, where the, what the future uh, looks like with that plan, what, what, are, what are some of the highlights of things that you could, you could mention that, um, that, that are, are going to take us into a new direction, something that's, that's new and exciting or different? Well, you know, the, the pandemic uh, forced us out of our comfort zone, if you will. We had to look at how we were delivering instruction differently. We had a Forsyth Virtual Academy, and we've had it for many years for grades 6 through 12. We didn't have a lot of kids involved in that, but, but we were meeting the needs of some of our students, primarily who were elite athletes, are in the uh, entertainment industry and were traveling a lot, but still wanted the Forsyth County Schools experience. Well, with the pandemic, we've now expanded uh, the virtual instruction K-12. And, 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 and what I've been telling folks is we have to realize school does not need to be an eight to three experience for every child, nor should it be, because it doesn't necessarily meet every child's needs and every family's needs. So what I'm super proud of our school system and what we need to continue to work on and build upon is giving our kids and families as many choices as possible, making sure every child has an opportunity to find their niche. And, and the beauty of, of working in a school system the size of ours is you are able to, to do exactly that because you have the resources to do that. Go back to when I was a superintendent in that tiny school system with 330 kids. I had one high school math teacher. I mean, what could I offer? You know, a couple math classes, that's it. Here... We can offer anything. And with dual enrollment and virtual instruction, I mean, literally, you know, we, we have a, just a plethora of choices for our students, but we need to continue to do that, not just choices around courses, but also choices about when, when they go to school. And so the Forsyth virtual experience has really opened up uh, a lot of opportunities for students. You know, you, know, you mentioned earlier 
again, Michelle, in your opening, you know, a 96% graduation rate. And we're super proud of that. When I started here nine years ago, we were almost at 90%. We were hovering around 89. And we were very intentional about we really want to move the needle on that. It's hard because when you're, you know, 90% graduation rate, it's good. I mean, you look at nationwide, that's a, that's a strong graduation rate. So how do you move the needle on that? Literally one child at a time, making sure they all have something that they can get excited about, find that niche so they want to stay engaged and they want to graduate from high school. So I think the future of education is so exciting because, you know, we are in a position now, we used to build schedules around adults, honestly, you know, when we were building, you know, it's, what is the strength of our staff? What, what can we offer? Now we build our schedules around the needs of kids. We flip that. And I think that was absolutely the right thing to do. Very good. Very good. Well, and along those lines, thinking about, you know, the future, um, one of the, the, the things that, you know, is, is going on right now across the country that we're, I think everybody is concerned about is school safety. Yep. And, uh, and for, for some, you know, very, very unfortunate reasons and, and, and very sad reasons. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, there's a lot of national discussion. There's a lot of discussion at the state level. Uh, but it seems to me that most of those decisions that really are the boots on the ground, the folks that are here in the community that uh, are, are making decisions about our school systems, uh, certainly you as superintendent and our school board. So when you look at the future, what what does school safety look like, um, you know, and, and, and balancing the needs of building, you know, so sometimes I would imagine, and I'm, I'm just looking from the outside in, but the needs of building community and sometimes the safety measures that can be taken can pull in opposite directions. So what, what does that look like? Well, first of all, as I said earlier, um, what, when you ask parents what do they want, the first thing any parent will say is keep my child safe, right? And, and that is our number one priority, keeping our students and staff safe. When Parkland happened in February of 2018 uh, in Florida, uh, Sheriff Freeman and I got together and said, let's commission a task force. Let's take folks from the sheriff's office and your school safety team, Sheriff Freeman talking to me, school safety team, and let's do an audit of every campus in Forsyth County Schools and see if there are things we can do better to make our schools even safer. Because we felt they were safe at the time. But let's do an audit. Let's be very open and honest and see are there things that we can do to make our schools even safer. Well, as a result of that audit, one thing that we did um, put on the agenda and we've completed this work, all of our schools have safety vestibules now. It's a double entry. You cannot come in from the outside without checking in with a receptionist in an isolated entry area. Uh, you have to present your identification. We have a computer system that checks people who are on the uh, child predator list mm -hmm. and that that's what we're doing because we're not going to allow you access if you show up on that list before you can even go in to visit a teacher or whatever the case may be so that was one thing that came out of that audit is we needed to have double entries in every school in Forsyth County we've accomplished that task and proud of that number two was you know looking at our exterior doors you know one of the heartbreaking things that came out out of Texas was the fact that there was likely some doors propped open. You can't prop open exterior doors. They must remain locked. There needs to be only one point of entry for any visitor into our, onto our campus. So I can assure you we will be stressing that again as the school year opens up. You can't be propping open, propping open doors. And so, you know, that, that's critically important. But the other things that came out of that security audit, you know, we did some facilities enhancements. For example, you know, our, our instructions in case there is a crisis on campus are now on the sh window shades of every classroom. So as a teacher, if you if you're go into a code red, for example, you, you're supposed to close your shades. And when you do, the instructions on what to do are on the back of those shades, because that's a situation where, you know, there's going to be a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. and people might forget. And so those instructions are clearly marked. That was a huge benefit and, and, and absolutely the right thing to do and a result of that audit. But the one I want to talk about 
more than anything else, because this was kind of unique to uh, Forsyth County Schools, we said we need to have staff members whose sole responsibility is to work with students in crisis. I mean, we have a great counseling team. We have social workers. And all, but what we didn't have in place before Parkland was, was staff whose sole responsibility is to work with a student who might be really struggling in their life, someone that's been identified. We actually employ eight what we call student advocacy specialists. Mm -hmm. All they do is work with these kids and their families to make sure they have the support and resources they need. You know, in a school system with 53,000 kids, you're going to deal with folks in crisis. That's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm proud of is we know who those children are, and we're making sure those children are not in isolation, that they have an adult that cares about them, that's going to reach out to them. Now, some of these kids, they might, we might only have to touch base with them once every three or four weeks, you know, how things going. Others, that student advocacy specialist might be working with them every single day, having conversations, checking in, checking in with their parents, making sure once again, first and foremost, those kids are safe, that they're taking care of themselves, and they're not thinking about potentially harming themselves or, or, or harming others. And the, and the key, I think, to uh, reducing the incidence, uh, incidences of, of school violence is to establish relationships with every yeah. single child. Yeah. I mean, when you look at these cases throughout our nation, oftentimes these are kids who are very isolated, mm -hmm. very much disengaged with society. Um, oftentimes there are warning signs. We have a program in our school system uh, that we work closely with the sheriff's office, see something, say something. And, and let me say this, Sheriff Freeman and his team in Forsyth County, second to none, they are 100% committed to school safety. In fact, this school year, we will have a school resource officer on every single campus, in every single building. We have more than 50 school resource officers dedicated for, to Forsyth County schools. On top of that, when deputies are on patrol during the academic day, they are very intentional about patrolling around our schools. It is not unusual to see two or three cruisers on any one campus at any one time. Oftentimes, they're just sitting in their patrol car doing administrative work on their computer because Sheriff Freeman has told them, if you have some administrative work to do, pull into a school campus and do it for visibility. And, and I think that's huge. So, you know, one message I want parents to hear, if you drive by one of our schools and you see two or three cruisers on a campus, you know, don't let that upset you. That's very intentional. It's just they're, they're wanting to be very, very visible. So again, going, going back to that, the role of the student advocacy specialist, again, it's around establishing relationships, communicating with those kids, and make sure those kids know that we're, we're here for you. We're going to support you. If we can't provide what you need, we're going we're gonna to find it. We'll, we'll work with our local social agencies to make sure you have the resources and support to be successful. In that See Something, Say Something campaign, I am so proud of our students in Forsyth County because they know they can report a tip 24-7, completely anonymous, and we will investigate it immediately, immediately. We don't wait until 6 or 7 o'clock next morning. If a tip comes in at 3 a.m. because we're monitoring that 24-7, that tip is being investigated, every single one of them. And if the sheriff's department has to go out to someone's house at 3 o'clock in the morning and knock on the door and say, what is this all about on social media? That's exactly what they're going to do. Very good. Very good. Well, I, I know that's all very hard and, and, and challenging because it's, it's, it's all about thinking about the worst instead of the, the, the best. And, and, uh, it sounds like, uh, you all are, are, are using a, a focus of focusing on the best to, to, to provide some safety. So thank you for that. You know, if I just could follow up, sure. you know, when I, when I first started my career, um, we didn't talk about school safety very often. And then in 1999 Columbine happened and it changed everything, you know, we, we immediately started partnering with law enforcement. And I would dare say the partnership we have in Forsyth County Schools, again, looking at education through the lens of a parent, right? And I always do. Would I send my three children to any school in Forsyth County? Yes. 
Would I feel like my children were safe? Absolutely, because we have a tremendous partnership with our with our law enforcement agency, and I know our teachers and staff are, are laser-like focused on establishing great relationships with our kids, and that is a key to keeping them safe, is knowing them well and having great relationships with them. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think anyone who has a child in Forsyth County Schools knows that experience. You know, they, I, I hear that over and over again. Uh, and certainly with, uh, you know, I've been a, a mentor at, with Mentor Me North Georgia for a, a long time. And thank you and, for that, and, by the way. Well, D- Dylan, and actually the way I was introduced to that program was through our school system. Uh, Dylan was recommended uh, to uh, our, uh, to, to mentor me by a school counselor. And, and I will tell you, from the moment that he and I were matched, I knew his school principal, I knew his teachers, I knew his uh, guidance cou- or counselors, I, and, and it wasn't for necessarily for me going and seeking them out. They sought me out, and um, it was a relationship with his grandmother, with his, his um, uh, uh, teachers, with, with the, 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 the whole—it felt like the whole system had wrapped around him. And I, I certainly saw that, and that he was a, a kid who could have easily, in any other system, fallen through the cracks. But he was completely uh, surrounded by folks that really genuinely cared. And now that he's twenty six uh, and and uh, uh, out kind of on his own a good bit, um, he he definitely, you know, he and I've talked about it many times about what his school experience was like, and he said most days I felt more at home at school than I did at home. And, uh, and I think that that story is repeated again and again, um, and not for just kids who are, are in some sort of need or some sort of crisis, life crisis, but also kids who, you know, th- they have very stable homes and, and you know, they, they need that too. So it's, it's, it's remarkable and that in a system its size that you will continue to, to make that a, a priority and, and make it available. To kids. Well, I, I so appreciate you bringing that up. You know, Mentor Me is a great partner for us, as you know. But again, when, when you're in a community the size of ours, serving as many children as we serve, and, and I love to give this example. I recently went to an Atlanta Braves baseball game, and I think Truist Park holds like 42, 43,000 people. So you go to a game, and it's a sellout, and you see this massive humanity. And for me, as superintendent, I'm looking at this thinking, we couldn't fit all of our kids in the stadium. In fact, we'd be like 10,000 seats short. And it gives you an idea, it really puts in perspective how large we, we really are. Um, and, and so again, it comes down to serving that individual child and, and focusing on making sure that they all have the resources and support they need. But even in a school system like ours, very affluent community, we all know that, most of our parents very positively engaged in our school system, but we do have kids in our community, number one, that are homeless. You know, when I, when I share with folks, we serve about 100 students. When I say they're homeless, literally, they are sofa surfing. You know, they're staying with one family for two or three nights and, 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 and later on that week going somewhere else. They are completely by themselves. Those kids, we have to meet their needs. We have kids in our community, unfortunately, that come from very impoverished families, that the best meals they ever receive are the ones they will get Monday through Friday at school. We need to take care of their needs. We have kids in our community that have very little clothing that we have to address that issue as well. Unfortunately, we have kids in our community dealing with abuse, whether it's physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse. We deal with those children and, you know, kids Kids can't learn. I mean, you, if you come to school hungry, if you come to school and you don't have adequate clothing right. or shelter, or you're coming from a verbally or physically or even worse, sexually abusive situation, and we expect those kids to learn, that's hard. And so, again, you have to know your children so well that you know exactly what they're dealing with so you can meet their individual needs and make sure that we work with them to make sure they do have clothing and food and shelter. And then if they're in an abusive situation, try to get them out of that situation and certainly get them the counseling they need to deal with that situation so that they can access their education. It's almost impossible to access your education if you're dealing with some of the trauma that some of our kids are dealing with. And I'm so proud of our staff, because I'm telling you, the commitment in Forsyth County Schools 
is to know every single child as well as we possibly can so we can serve them as well as we possibly can. That's remarkable. Well, thank you. So, um, you know, let's jump back just a moment to, and I guess this is a mixture between a leadership idea and, and also uh, something a little more practical, uh, less philosophical, I suppose. But that is, you know, we, we have, uh, we're among the top performing school systems in this nation. Um, we have, um, you know, one of the safest school systems in, in this nation. Somebody made a very focused effort on it and very focused. And, and yet our school system, like everybody else in this country, is struggling for talent and, and putting teachers and and I assume not just teachers but probably also administrators and other folks um and and we you know at the chamber know there's no industry in and not just in our community and we're very fortunate to be in a very affluent you know uh, a community with a great economy and every industry is struggling with this tell us a little bit about kind of what what that looks like in our school system what the school system can do to be as competitive as it can to make sure we're recruiting the the greatest talent that we can um walk walk us through that a little bit because i can i I cannot begin to imagine how complicated that must be on the scale that you all operate on you know pre-pandemic um we would have our job fairs typically have them in february we'd have seven eight nine hundred people attend those job fairs we would have openings and have 30 40 50 applicants this year at our job fair we had about 400 That was eye-opening. The pandemic really caused a setback in a lot of industries, but certainly in public education. Our teachers performed heroically throughout the pandemic. I I just could not be more proud. And they had to constantly pivot. No, we're going to be face-to-face today. We're going to be virtual today. You know, some parents were very uncomfortable sending their children to school. We had to provide for those kids. Uh, other parents were were very comfortable sending them, and we provided face to face. Some would want their children to come in for like a lab uh, or or their band course, but wanted them to learn virtually the rest of the day. So we, we just had to do what we had to do to meet the needs of our kids. That was very taxing on teachers. And what ended up happening, not just in Forsyth County, but throughout the nation, more and more teachers who had choices to do something else chose to do something else. Uh, and fewer and fewer are enter, entering into uh, teaching as a profession uh, in, in our colleges and universities. So you're right. We have to respond to that. We can't, we can't sit back and wait. We have to be proactive. So what are we doing? Uh, each of our high schools, we have teaching as a pathway, as a course, and we encourage our students to consider teaching as a pathway, so growing our own. At that new educator orientation that I mentioned, I asked if you graduated from a Forsyth County High School, please stand. I would say out of the 500, well over 100 were graduates of our school system. And, and, the, and the cool thing about that is when you hire your own, typically you have them for life. Right. They're yeah. not, they typically will not leave. They'll, the data shows that. Um, so that's one is growing our own. Number two, we have a recruiter who works in our human resources office. His sole responsibility is to travel around the southeast going to job fairs going to colleges, going to universities, making sure we have a presence, making sure we, we, you know, we have information about Forsyth County. This is a great place to live and work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all of our parks and it's safe. I mean, we have unbelievable law enforcement here. Um, and so we're, we're very intentional going out, you know, consider Forsyth County. I'm so proud of our school board. The budget that we recently passed uh, keeps us very competitive with Metro Atlanta school systems. And that's important. I mean, because when you're competing, uh, you know, working conditions matter a lot, but so does salary and benefits. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say that we compete with all of our adjacent counties. We're not the highest. We're not the lowest. uh, But what we have to offer uh, that I think makes us very attractive is we work in a community where parents support education. Businesses support education. You guys at the chamber, you're just phenomenal partners. We understand, and you understand, that we're an economic driver Absolutely. in Forsyth County. And if we're going to have the best possible community, we need to have the best possible school system. And so 
we take advantage of all those partnerships. My goodness, the number of internships available for students, externships available for teachers. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And so as we're competing for that talent, number one, you have to be competitive with salaries and benefits, and we are. But I think what sets us apart is the working conditions here, the culture and climate in our school system. And I'm not going to name any counties because I have good friends leading counties all around us. But I will say when I talk to folks who come to us from other places and I say, what's the difference here than working from where you came from? The number one answer I get is I have a lot of autonomy to be very creative. That's why I wanted to be a teacher to begin with. I love kids, but I wanted to use my creativity in, in order to instruct. And you guys allow me to do my job. And that's really important. We give, we give our schools lots of autonomy. We're really clear about expectations. We have our learner profile, and I know you're familiar with it. And, and our learner profile very clearly has established the attributes we want all students to graduate with by the time they graduate from one of our high schools, but it's up to the schools to, to figure out how to get there. We've determined the what. The learner profile is our what. It's our end in mind. If you go to Stephen Covey's work, Seven yeah. Habits, Highly Effective People, begin with the end in mind, right? So that learner profile, those are, those are the attributes. That's the end in mind. But if you were the principal at South Forsyth High School, you would work with your staff to, to figure out the how because South Forsyth High School is not the same as East Forsyth High School. We serve different communities. We serve a different demographic. So it's so important to give our leadership the autonomy to work with their staff, their parents, and community to figure out the how. Yeah, I I, I had the good fortune of being a a, a longtime friend of uh, Dr. Terry North, and uh, uh, when she um, uh, the the last year that she was a school principal, which was that was just a couple of years ago, right? Um, she and I had this uh, a long conversation about how, uh, and I said, Terry, you, you were with the Forsyth County School System for almost your entire career. Why, why Forsyth County Schools? And she said almost word for word what you just described. She said there's, she said there is really, I could not find another system. And she said not that I was looking too hard, but she said I couldn't find another system that gives you the kind of autonomy. And freedom, and she said, and we pass that along to teachers, um, you know, as, as much as we, we possibly can, but we pass that along to teachers. And she said, that has made all the difference, not just in my career, but in my life. And and I thought, wow, that's a, that's a very powerful uh, thing to hear. Um, and, and she was one of the great, she was also one of Dylan's. Uh, that's how I actually got to know her. She was a middle school uh, principal for for he and, and and his sister, and and got to know her really well through that. And and um, we um, uh, remain friends. But I, I just it was an, a, a powerful statement uh, to to hear that. And and um, and I suspect as a system grows larger, it's more and more challenging to have the discipline to maintain that autonomy. You know that autonomy to let it does and you know and again i'm really proud of our school board for supporting that because put yourself in the position of a board member and you get a call from from a parent or a constituent and says why are you offering this particular program at this particular school but not at my child's school and so the easy thing to do would be to cookie cutter make them all the same right then you don't have to answer that question why are we doing this here and not here while it's the easy thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do. You know, the right thing to do is to work with your community, parents, staff, business partners, and determine what's best for your school in your particular community because you can't offer everything at every single school. Now, granted, you look at it as district-wide, and I think we pretty much offer everything. We do allow students um, to apply to go to different schools. For example, the STEM Academy at Forsyth Central High School is a great example. At the STEM Academy, I would dare say 50% of the students who attend the STEM Academy are not zoned for, for Sci Central. They applied to go there because that was a passion. That was an interest of theirs. And if we have space, we allow that to happen. You know, the Alliance Academy and you, you guys at the chamber were just great partners in making that come to reality. Uh, what a great opportunity for kids, right? I mean, where else yeah. can you go? And, and sit in a flight simulator yeah. and, and learn to fly an aircraft and be taught by a former Delta pilot, right? 
I mean, that's that's pretty right. cool stuff. Yeah. The, the courtroom in there, um, the, the uh, ambulance that we have in there, you know, real world applicable skills. Kids can graduate with industry certification, can move right into a job if that's what they want to do. We have cybersecurity at Alliance Academy. I mean, who offers cybersecurity right. at the high school right. level, right? Yeah. Uh, we do. And we were able to do that because, again, I go back to the support we have in this community. I mean, you guys and, and all the folks who are, who are business partners and part of the chamber, University of North Georgia, Lanier Tech, uh, great partners of, of our school system, you know, the Forsyth County uh, commissioners and, and, and our county manager and the mayor of the city of Cumming and the city council. I mean, everyone is so tremendously supportive of what we're doing. You know, rarely do I go somewhere and, and ask for something and, and folks turn us down. Yeah. Typically it's, yeah, what can we, what, what do you need for help? Yeah. And trust me, we're not always asking for money, although money helps <laughs> and money goes a long ways. Right. Oftentimes what we're asking for is expertise. Come work with our kids. You know, like when we do, um, when, when we, when we do the, uh, job shadowing and we do the mock interviews, uh, so many people from our community volunteer to come in for the mock interviews. And, and typically they're incredibly impressed with how our students dress, how our students are prepared to interview, how our students have those soft skills. They'll shake your hand. They'll look you in the eye. They know exactly how to impress when, and they understand first impressions go a long way. None of that would happen without the support of our community. It's just unbelievable. When I tell people, uh, and as I travel around the state and people ask me, you know, what's the, what's the secret sauce to Forsyth County? You guys are so well known. It really comes back to, we had a community that believes in public education and absolutely supports us. We're lucky. Yeah. We've been very, very fortunate as a community to, you know, when, when you look at even the, the most recent uh, education's lost. I mean, if you use that as a gauge. 70%. Right. And because it, to me, that is a great gauge of saying, hey, we're willing to tax ourselves to pay for this, and we're going to get to vote on that. And, you know, when you look at those numbers, um, and, and particularly when you compare that to other areas of not just the state, but around the country, I mean, it's just remarkable that, that we have that, that, that level of continued support. But, but that support wouldn't be there if there wasn't great confidence in leadership and the school system and the outcomes. Uh, that's And it's well-earned. And, and you all have done a remarkable job of maintaining that confidence in, in the system. Well, thank you for that. And, and, and just want to follow up on SPLOS for a second. Um, in terms of the number of schools, we had our um, New Hope Elementary is opening mm -hmm. this fall. Yeah. We had our grand opening recently. And it's a beautiful state-of-the-art school. We are in really good shape in terms of our campuses. I do not foresee us having to go back to our citizens citizens and ask for another bond in the near future uh, because they pass that SPLOS we can take care of a lot of our needs on that pay-as-you-go basis and the beauty of SPLOS is unlike a bond where you're borrowing money and having to pay interest SPLOS there's there is no interest you know we 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 get the proceeds from the SPLOS and then we take care of the needs in our of our school system and the other beauty of Esplost is we have a lot of people visit Forsyth County. They shop in our stores, eat in our restaurants, <laughs> stay, stay at our lodging, um, and stay in our hotels. And, and, and because of uh, that one cent sales tax, that brings a lot of revenue into our school system. And then we use that revenue to take, it, uh, take care of the needs of our school system. So thank you to the citizens of Forsyth County for passing the Esplost. We, we're very fortunate to be in a community that, has that philosophy, but that, that also can, you know, that, that philosophy, philosophy wouldn't be there if it weren't for the, the, the great school system we have in, in your leadership. So I just, I'm, I'm going to close this out here. I, I, one of the things that I, um, um, you know, have been thinking about as we've been talking is, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of landmark, uh, book, good to great. And that came out now, gosh, it's hard to believe, but you know, well over 20 years ago. And there's a description in there about, um, what great corporate CEOs and, and leaders, uh, look like and, and the description and the description is not, you know, um, 
what we see portrayed on TV. It's not what we per- see portrayed, um, you know, in, in other settings. But it was certainly true when I read it. I thought, gosh, I, the great, you know. And, and Jeff, I just want to tell you and thank you because that description is what I see in you. And, and that's been my experience with you. Someone who is uh, rock solid, who, um, you know, <laughs> weathers the storms of all, that all leaders go through at some point. Um, and, and, and some of us more, <laughs> more than one point, uh, but you have, are just a remarkable human being. And, and we are very, very fortunate to have you as our school superintendent. And on behalf of a very grateful community, I just want to thank you. I appreciate and, that, James. Uh, and, you know, one thing we say to our staff all the time, you know, we're either getting better or we're getting worse. No such thing as status quo. And so every year we strive to get a little bit better and we will always do that. Well, thank you. You, you, you've been a, a, a great friend and a great partner. And, and really, I just can't thank you enough for the, the great work that you do because, you know, it's, it's absolutely true. There, there's, there's nothing that goes on in our economy that you cannot draw a line back to our school system in one way or another. And, um, you know, whether that is um, how we are growing as a community or how we are uh, getting new commercial investment in as a community, um, you know, when when we are talking to companies about either expanding or, or certainly relocating here, um, and even developers about building the, the office buildings and the space and things like Halcyon, the school system is a central, the quality of our schools is a central factor in those decisions and it's in the top three uh, um, and and so uh, it's just vital to our future and 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 thankfully we have a community that seems to recognize that and know that and uh, just thank you for your leadership and, and your great work so thank you thanks James well thank you James and Dr. Bearden for joining us today this has been incredible just to hear about of course your journey Dr. Bearden and um, just all the cool things that you know you guys working so hard to um, cultivate that strategic plan just to you know be forward thinking for our for our community which is incredible so thank you very much for joining us uh, and also a huge thank you to Amanda Pierce. she is the woman behind the curtain of Forsyth Business Radio X for producing today's show for those listening if you would like to hear more about what's happening in Forsyth County be sure to subscribe to FOCO Talks on your favorite podcast platform. We share a new episode each month, so be sure to tune in to learn about the happenings in Forsyth County. You can also stay connected with us on social media. The Forsyth County Chamber can be found on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube simply by searching FOCO Chamber. If you're interested in learning more about becoming a member of the Forsyth County Chamber or to join us at one of our many upcoming events, please visit focochamber.org. For today, I'm your host, Michelle Daniels, and this has been FOCO Talks on Business Radio X. Thank you.